Hi, you've just downloaded or otherwise accessed a podcast of Cross Point Church and the teaching ministry presented through our weekly Sunday morning worship. Feel free to burn a copy of this file when you're finished and pass it along to a friend you think might also benefit from the teaching. We hope you enjoy the message today, and thanks again for taking the time to visit. I remember as a boy, my dad had a Masonic ring he was trying to get off his fingers, stuck. He soaped it up, throwed the soap at it, soap didn't work, buttered it up, threw some butter at it, butter didn't work. I think he put some Mazzola oil on it, resin oil, something that didn't work. Finally just gave up, said it's going to be on there, it's stuck. Sometimes <clears throat> we've, we've been stuck in a, in a pattern, in, in a way of thinking, in a lifestyle, in a mindset so long we just see it as normal anymore, as a new normal, as opposed to thinking that God can and will deliver us from our, our stuckness. And uh, sometimes that stuckness can, can be obsessive. I want us to see today this passage from First uh, Samuel, if you turn there, chapter 18. And looking at this story between King Saul and David, David had just uh, defeated Goliath and the Israelites were had the Philistines on the run and jealousy starts to set in and and uh, we're going to see some some obsessive behavior from from King Saul we've talked about this idea of being stuck in analysis to begin with stuck in imperfection week two stuck in hurt fourth stuck in the past then stuck in the known Stuck in fear, stuck in denial, and last week stuck in doubt. And if you missed any of those, you can go to crosspointknox.com and hear those or download those and listen to it at your leisure. But stuckness, when it's obsessive, we're going to see the danger that, that can occur from that. So if you'll if you follow along with me in verses 6 to 17, then verse 28 together. First uh, Samuel 18. When, when the men were returning home after David killed the Philistine... The women came out from all the towns of Israel to meet King Saul with singing and dancing, joyful songs and with tambourines and lutes. As they danced, they sang, Saul has slain his thousands and David his tens of thousands. Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. What more can he, can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. The next day, an evil spirit from God came forcefully upon Saul. He was prophesying in his house while David was playing the harp, as he usually did. Saul had a spear in his hand, and he hurled it, saying to himself, I'll pin David to the wall. But David eluded him twice. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but had left Saul so he sent David away from him and gave him command over a thousand men, and David led the troops in their campaigns. In everything he did, he had great success, because the Lord was with him. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. But all Israel and Judah loved David, because he led, him, led them in, the, in their campaigns. Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merab. I will give her to you in marriage. Only serve me bravely and fight the battles of the Lord. For Saul said to himself, I will not raise a hand against him. Let the Philistines do that. And over in verse 20, uh, 28 and 29, it says, When Saul realized the Lord was with David and that his daughter uh, Mishael 
loved David, Saul became still more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. Now, kind of an odd story uh, where one's, the, the popularity of one supplants the popularity of the other. And jealousy sets in, and Saul's, Saul's behavior becomes obsessive. And we're going to see here four things today from this text about obsession. First of all, obsession often begins in anger. It often begins in anger. Look at the first part of it. Verse 8 again, he says, Saul was very angry. This refrain galled him. They have credited David ten, with tens of thousands, he thought, but me with only thousands. He's very angry, and this refrain galled him. Now, something, something is galling, or it's been galled, it stirs up your insides, gives you turmoil on the insides, what that means. Someone who is stirred up usually doesn't sleep very well as well, usually has health issues on top of that, which was likely the case for Saul. Well, we know he didn't sleep well. We see that later in 1 Samuel, that it was without sleep. Um, and why is that the case? It's because anger is like a cancer. Anger eats at us and eats at us and eats at us until it, the stress begins to affect us physically, it affects us mentally, emotionally, relationally, and spiritually. It affects us physically in terms of high blood pressure and stress that it brings. It affects us mentally in terms of depression and anxiety. It affects us emotionally in terms of our anger or our inability to control our temper. It affects us relationally in terms of breakups or divorce or division. It affects us spiritually in terms of our, perhaps you've said this as well, I've heard people say it for years, doesn't seem like my prayers get above the ceiling when I pray. I just I don't I don't see God as I pray and when I pray, and so there's this distance that's created between us and the Lord. Listen to what Proverbs 29, 11, and 22 says. A fool gives full vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. Verse 22 says, an angry man stirs up dissension, and a hot-tempered one commits many sins. Meaning. Seldom is anyone content to be angry alone. That anger needs encouragement. It needs. It needs. Uh, it looks for companionship. Um, why is that the case? Because at, at their core, angry people don't like themselves very much, <laughs> and the, our enemy, the devil, seizes on that self-loathing, and uh, he tries to get us to bring others into our anger, into our despair. But anger is a choice. It is a reaction. It is a response to, to, to something that's been initiated. It tries to get us to bring others into our anger. Uh, when something is given improper importance, when something is given improper value, or when something is given improper expectations, and those things break down, many people's natural response to those things is anger. Uh, that's that's the, the natural result. So how do I control my anger? Well, I learn to obsess less about things I can't control, and I learn to take imperfection in stride. The next world is the perfect one. This one isn't. The next world is where those things, those expectations will be, will be met. This one is where they will never be met. If we'll learn to take imperfection in stride, and if we'll learn not to obsess about the things that are beyond our control that we have no control over anyway, anger will, anger will find its way to the door. It won't find the place of lodging in our hearts. That's not to say I don't attempt to correct the imperfections, whether, whether I'm in a, whether I got car trouble, whether I got, uh, I got job trouble, whether I got marriage trouble. I attempt as I can to, to, to correct those imperfections, but I choose not to obsess about those things. Why? Because anger will seize me when I do and, and, and will get me stuck in, in that angry place again and again. Obsession often begins in anger. Uh, I got to choose, though, not to obsess about it. Anger is a choice. Secondly, 
Obsession turns anger into entitlement. Look at the last part of verse 8 and the first part of verse 9. He says, what more can he get but the kingdom? And from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye toward David. From that time on, a jealous eye toward David. Now, here's an observation that I've made. Anger is seldom happy by itself. It wants to include something. It wants to, 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 to be embellished. And usually we try to, to embellish itself with entitlement, anger will. Uh, jealousy is at the heart of entitlement. And again, that source from our enemy, the devil, as most things that are self, self-centered and self-gratifying do. But Saul felt he deserved the accolades that David was getting. And he didn't get those accolades because, after all, Saul's name was on, on, on the mailbox at the castle, not David's. He's the one that should have gotten the attention, not David. And so he, he, he turns jealous and, uh, and, and ambivalent toward David. So here's the thing I want to, I want to sow to us today is this. Whether it's a friend or a family member or a co-worker or an acquaintance, someone in your world, we need to learn to celebrate their successes instead of feel threatened by them. Sometimes it's a hard ask, depending on how deep our jealousy runs. But we need to learn to celebrate other successes and not be threatened by them. In fact, the only world in which someone else's achievement diminishes yours is Satan's world. That's the only world where someone else's achievements diminish yours. He'll see to it. In fact, he'll poke and prod at you and wonder, you deserve that. You're entitled to that, not them. You've worked as hard as they have. Why, don't, why aren't you getting the notoriety about that or the, the, the attention to folks that they're getting? He'll see to it that others', others accomplishments d- diminish ours. That's the only, only world in which that happens. Have you ever thought that God could be trying to bless you by blessing those around you? Have you ever thought that when God blesses those in your world that he's, he's trying to be a blessing to you as well and trying to create for you a sense of celebration in, in both for your world and, and, and your friend's world or your family member's world? Uh, it's jealousy and entitlement, but the entitlement that it grows into will see that those things never happen. See, it'll see that you never see others' accomplishments as, as, uh, and learn to celebrate those as you would your own. Entitlement is a choice, though, but, but it's always obsessive. It's always seeking something that it hasn't earned, something that it hasn't worked for. Embellishment does, or entitlement does. Often begins in anger, obsession does. Secondly, it turns anger into entitlement. Thirdly, obsession turns entitlement into fear. Look at verse 12 and verse 15. Saul was afraid of David because the Lord was with David, but left Saul. Now look at verse 15. When Saul saw how successful he was, he was afraid of him. Well, these two accounts in verse 12 and 15 give us the two reasons for Saul's fear. First reason was the hand of the Lord was on David. It tells us there that, that and because it was on David, Saul felt that it had left him. The hand of the Lord had ceased being with him. And so this jealousy sets in, why is not God blessing me like he's blessing David? God, where are you? You're, you're all over David. Your, your hand, of, hand of blessing is not on me anymore. And so he t- turns fearful because of that. Then in verse 15, he sees David's successes. And his fear grows out, grows out of the fact that David felt... Uh, uh, or Saul felt he, he deserved the things, that, the attention that David was getting, those, those things for himself, but he hadn't put in the effort to acquire them. Saul didn't go kill Goliath. Saul didn't lead the, the troops against Philistines. Now Saul, in his, in his beginning days, if, you, if you'll see, back before Saul was elected king, he was a warrior, a great warrior. But Saul got lazy, and he, he ordered others to do his fighting for him. Yet he wanted the accolades that came from the successes. When you and I get lazy in our relationships with others, in our relationship with the Lord, 
we're going to start to lose some battles that we would, we would have otherwise won. We, as we are willing to, 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 uh, to do battle against the enemy and become a warrior again of the Lord's, he'll see, see to it that we have success and that we're blessed. But Saul didn't put in the work. He, he didn't lead the charge against Goliath or the Philistines at all. So now he feels that his respect is gone, that his authority is gone, and he feels threatened by that and becomes fearful. Don't miss this. People shouldn't make decisions when they're emotional and definitely when they're afraid. It's dangerous to make decisions when we're, when we're emotional, period. It's even more dangerous when we make decisions where that emotion is, is fueled by fear. Because we, 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 will, we will seldom make good decisions when that's the case. Um, Proverbs 29, 25 says this, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. The fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So what's he saying? He's saying rather than take his fears to God, uh, Saul tries to have David killed twice in one setting. And another, if you look over in verse, 20, verse 9 and 10 of chapter 19, a third time he tries to have David killed with a spear, uh, orders him in, into battle orders him to take a thousand men and go and go into conquest. We don't know how many he was fighting, but Saul's hopes was that David would, would die in battle. <clears throat> he doesn't die in battle, so Saul tries to kill him again two more times. Uh, so if we're, to, <clears throat> if we're going to choose to let fear rule the day, that's going to be the day we lose. Usually a day that we lose big when that happens. Uh, so how do, how do we do that? If we're going to conquer fear... We never do that by getting rid of what we're afraid of. We do that by getting beyond the fear of what we're afraid of. How do we do that? Well, Proverbs just told us. We take our fears to God, and he is the one who keeps us safe, and, and our, our fears are kept safe in him. It's uh, a great word in Proverbs, but we, we, don't, we don't get rid of or try, try and, and work or do a workaround of our fear. We choose <clears throat> not to be afraid anymore by allowing that fear to be put in the hands of God and God protecting us from, <clears throat> excuse me, the consequences and the outgrowth of that fear as it, as it raises its, its head in our life. Obsession begins in anger. Anger turns, turns anger into entitlement. It turns entitlement into fear. And finally, obsession never lets go. Obsession never lets go. Look at verse 29, 28, 29. It says, says Paul realized, or Saul realized that the Lord was with David, that his daughter Mashal loved David. Saul became, watch this, still more afraid of him, and he remained his enemy the rest of his days. Even more afraid and remained his enemy the rest of his days. Failure after failure in Saul's life attempts to get rid, in Saul's attempts to get rid of David. And we see that again, in, in, as I said, in chapter 19, verse 9, 8 and 9. Those attempts failed again and again and again because, as we saw, God had his hand on David and not on Saul. Uh, Saul learns even, even greater fear in verse 29 and an ever-growing obsession to rid himself of David. Now consider this. David's the one who, who saved the Israelites from, from Goliath and the Philistines, who saved the kingdom of Saul, and in fact saved Saul's very life on more than one occasion. He's the one Saul wants to get rid of. Uh, instead of recognizing what a blessed man he is at the hand of David, he's consumed with killing the very one that, brought, that God brought into his kingdom for his own good. My dad gave me some, some advice years ago. 
as he saw me developing into a leader. He said, son, surround yourself with people that know what they're doing and it'll make it look like you do too. And he wasn't saying that as a joke because he followed up by saying, in looking like in, in, making, in making you look like that too, you are the one who's making the good decision to surround yourself with people who know more about what's going on than you do, even if it's more about what you're doing than you do. It'll make it look like you know what you're doing. He, uh, he was an uneducated an, 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 an man but had a tremendous amount of wisdom, and I, I've never forgotten that advice, and I've tried my best over the years <clears throat> to surround myself with people who are better than me, certainly things that I can't do very well, but even things that I can sometimes. But, and that's exactly what God did for Saul in bringing David into his world, conquered Goliath, saved the Israelites, embellished the kingdom of Saul himself, saved, saved Saul's very life on a couple of occasions. Saul couldn't see those things. All he could see was fear and anger and jealousy and entitlement and brought himself to, to the place of trying to uh, take David's life four times. Uh, he was consumed with it and obsessed with it. So whether obsession surfaces in your life, uh, as a bottle, at the end of a bottle, whether it services as a pill, whether it services in some form of other form of addiction, pornography or something else, whether it services uh, being glued to a computer screen, whether it services addicted to, to a phone screen, whether it services as a toy, whether it services as a hobby, whether it services as a person, regardless of how obsession services, here's what we need to do to learn from King Saul today, and that's this. Obsession, any obsession, any compulsive behavior, is from the pit of hell. And it comes from our, from our enemy, the devil. It's sourced in him. He, and, and he will see to it that, it that it eats you alive and will let it go until it either kills you or you learn to deal with it. He'll see to that. That's what he's about. That's what he's up to. So how do I do that? <laughs> how, do I, how do I see that that doesn't occur? Well, as we wrap up, here's a couple of observations. First is this. As i got to realize that anger, entitlement, and fear are choices that I make. They are reactionary things, not actionary things. They are reactionary things. Anger, entitlement, and fear are choices that I make. Now, that sounds rather simplistic, and it is pretty simple, but it's not so, not so simple to carry out sometimes. And hear me say this. If you need help, it's okay to get help along the way to make, to make those choices because whether obsession has looked like an addiction, whether it's looked like a person, whether it's looked like a job or a marriage problem, regardless of what it looks like, sometimes we need help making those choices to get beyond anger, get beyond entitlement, and get beyond fear. It's okay to get help, whether it be a counselor, whether it be a pastor, whether it be a trusted friend, whether it be a confidant, whether it be someone you, you feel like makes wise judgment that you want to bounce some ideas off of. It's okay to seek help making those choices until you start to think differently and process life through a different lens and think for yourself in a different way. Refusing to let anger and entitlement and fear drive the day. Because here, here's to conclude with this. There's no room, no room for fear or obsession in the love and shelter of your heavenly father. Listen to these words from 1 John chapter 4. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love what's he saying I deal with fear by engulfing myself in the love of Christ 
I deal with fear by knowing, knowing how much I'm loved, how deeply I'm loved. And this book is full of story after story, cover to cover, of how deeply you and I are loved. And I deal with that fear by losing that fear in the love of Jesus. It is where it's lost. It's where I, I take it to, to put it into a pit, never to, to service in my life again. But I've got to make a choice to move beyond anger, to move beyond entitlement, and to move beyond fear. Again, those, those are easy choices to, to, to verbalize. They're harder choices to live. If I need help to get there, seek it. But understand this, that in the love of God is where I found the courage to move beyond fear and allow, allow my faith to drive my ministry, my, my sense of mission, my sense of decision-making, my sense of, what, of right and wrong. I allow my faith to drive those things instead of fear. Uh, if you are an obsessive type, and you know whether you are or not, you know what 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 grabs you just won't let go until you deal with it. Uh, if you're if you're an obsessive type, I want to encourage you to revisit this text today and see the lessons from Saul that we need to learn. Uh, anger, entitlement, fear never serve us well. Never, ever, ever serve us well. Uh, they, they will consume us if we allow them to. But we can get beyond those things if we, if we learn how, as I said earlier, to, to see those things but make choices, make different choices in the moment. And those, those moments can start to stack up over time to where we start to de develop a track record where I'm not angry about what I can't control anymore. I've made choices to not be angry about what I can't control anymore. I've made choices to, to not like that but just choose not to obsess over it anymore. And those are daily. Those are situational, one, one, one situation at a time, one day at a time. But God will start to give you victories as you start to make those kinds of choices and looking back at, at his word to make them. Let's pray. Father, we must admit to you that there's, there's little in our world oftentimes that it seems like we have any control over anymore. In fact, things are going on around us and in our world that many of us didn't choose and would like to alleviate or get rid of or destroy. But you're sovereign. You see around the next corner and the next 30 corners after that. Would you give us the wisdom to look at, look at life through a different lens today, looking, looking at those who surrounded us, those you placed within our world as, as people we can celebrate their successes and they ours. Let's not feel threatened by them. Let's not feel, feel angered by that. No jealousy involved. Let's not feel entitled to the same things or even more. And let's not let fear drive the day. Would you, would you show us by the example of Paul, that's not where we want to go because eventually that kind of obsession will eat us up and kill us. Whether it does physically, spiritually, emotionally, or all those ways, it'll kill us. Teach us today how to live and walk in truth how to understand your word, how to lay our anger at your feet, lay, lay our, any sense of entitlement we have at your feet and any fear at your feet and pick up the love you have for us, knowing that love sends fear on the run, sends anger on the run, sends entitlement on the run. Help us to know that we're loved by you, that we are sheltered by you, that you are our provision and our protector. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing to, to fear because of you. There's nothing to be angry about because of you. Teach us to walk in the truth of that. And if we need help getting around a, a hurdle or a circumstance here or there, help us to be wise enough to seek it in someone else who's been there. In Christ's name we pray. 
Thanks again for listening to today's message from Crosspoint Church, helping people navigate the journey toward an authentic, biblical, and contagious walk with Christ.